you have your Bibles, grab them quickly, stand to your feet, take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter number two. Hebrews chapter number two, as you know, we're going through the book of Hebrews on Wednesday night. It's been a great study already. Uh, It's going to be a good one tonight. It's going to be a good one tonight. So let's just jump right in. Uh, We stopped at verse four last week. And so let's jump into verse five. And then we will, <clears throat> we will do a brief, very brief review. Uh, and then we'll jump in because we've got a lot to cover tonight, all right? So verse number five, Hebrews chapter two and verse number five. If you're there, say amen. amen. Uh, before we read verse number five, let me say this. Uh, from verses four, chapter one, chapter one, verse four to verse 14, he is saying he's better than... Now, mom, am I going to have to separate you and dad? Lord help us. Four to 14, he is telling him he's better than the angel. Say that with me. Better than the... Then there's a break. Verses one through four of chapter number two, it is, it is the warning. We preached the warning last week. We better not neglect a great salvation. Amen. And now it's like he's returning to his same topic. It's almost like, it's almost like uh, he's like me. He gets very distracted, right? He's better than the angels. He's better than the angels. He, and by the way, that's verses one through four of chapter two. And now he's got that taken care of. Now he's back on subject that he's better than the angels. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So verse number five, he continues with this thought that he started in chapter one. For unto the angels... Hath he not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak? That world to come is the millennial reign. That new world that's going to be uh, when Jesus comes and reigns on this earth. But one in a certain place testified saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crowns him with glory and honor and did set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God, say amen, Amen. should taste death for every man. For it became him, now the him is God the Father, it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things and bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation, that's Jesus, perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth Jesus And they who are sanctified, us, are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name. Now he's quoting Old Testament scripture. Saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, in other words, and again in another set of Old Testament scriptures, it says, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death 
he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily, he took not on him the nature of angels. He didn't come to save angels. He came to save men. But he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people, for in that he himself hath suffered. Boy, this is good. Being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. And boy, when we get to that, it's going to be good. Amen. Let's pray and we'll jump into this study. All right. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your mercy. Thank you for the opportunity and the privilege we have to dig into your word, to study and to learn and to grow tonight. Uh, Lord, I pray that you will edify us, build us up, strengthen our faith. Lord, I pray that you'll challenge us, convict us, encourage us, Lord. I pray that you'll fill me with your Holy Spirit, control my mind, my thoughts, my words. Don't let me say anything I'm not supposed to, and don't let me forget anything I need to. And God will praise you and thank you and give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Just a quick review for you that are new to the Hebrew study. The book of Hebrews is a letter written to Jewish believers, new converts, new Jewish believers who are being persecuted, who are being tempted to go back to Judaism. Uh, we know because of the, the language that's used throughout the letter uh, that this was before that the temple was destroyed in AD 70. And, and these are people who are struggling. These are people who are being persecuted. These are people who are stressed out, if you will. And they're being tempted to go back to what they used to be. They're being tempted to go back into Judaism, back under the law. They're being tempted because of what they are facing to go back to the temple, go back to the priests, go back to Judaism. And this whole letter is written for the purpose of letting them know that what you have now is better than what you had then. That Jesus is better than everything you've ever had. Jesus is better than the temple. He's better than the sacrifices. He's better than everything. And he starts in chapter number one with he's better than the angel. As you know, as you know, the the Jewish people revered angels because uh, they knew, excuse me, they knew that they participated on Mount Sinai bringing the law. And because of that, They held angels at a high, high level. Now, watch. In their mind, in their human thinking, in their human thinking, they're thinking, how in the world can this man, this man, be better than the angels? The angels. Even the word there itself says that that, that man is a little lower than the angels. So how could... He'd be better than the angels. And we're going to show you. Now, here's, here's the title. Look at, your, look at the top of your notes. Look at the top of your notes. What's the title of the lesson? Not the preeminence. That's the whole series. But the middle line. The middle line. What's the title? Why a man? Why a man? We're going to see in these verses, really, 
There is a story within a story. Uh, but we're going to see a picture, a real, a, a, a panoramic view, if you will, of humanity from the beginning to the end, really. And why it was necessary, why Jesus had, thank you, sir, had to become a man. Why a man? Why did he have to humble himself? Why did he have to do what Philippians said? And, and, you know, where it says, take this mind, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. Why? Why was that necessary? Well, let's look. Let's study tonight. All right. Y'all ready to dig in? Let's look here in verse number five. As we said, he is getting back to the subject, right? He's getting back focused. And he says in verse five, for unto the angels. Now we, we remember back in chapter number one, he said not to one single angel did he said, this is my begotten son whom I'm well pleased, right? right? Now he's saying this. Now he's saying this for unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak. So he starts out this section, he starts out this section talking about a kingdom, talking about a world that is to come. Now, what is that world that's to come? Now, I don't have time to go into it in in great depth, but I would just go ahead and tell you, and you can go back and research it. This is the millennial kingdom. This is the millennial kingdom. How many of y'all know that Jesus is coming back to this earth to rule and to reign? 1,000 years. And you say, why is it saying the world to come? Because this earth is going to change. This earth is going to change. God is going to change it. He's going to, he's going to, watch this now. He's going to reverse the curse. Animals are going to, the lion will lay down by the lamb. A child will be able to pick up a scorpion or a, or a snake. God's going to take the curse away. God's going to change even the, the, the plants and the trees like, like poison ivy will not be poison anymore. They every, listen, they're going to turn their swords into plowshares. All of this war and fighting that you see will be no more. The Prince of Peace is coming. Say amen. Now, now there's coming a world, but he didn't say to one single angel, I'm going to give you dominion. Not one. All right. So this is where it's going to get good. Okay. In the beginning of this now, now the way this is coming about, it's sounding like we're going to talk primarily about Jesus himself and we are, but we're really going to focus on man. What, why is it important for us that he became a man? That's the question we're going to answer tonight. All right. So number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. As we begin reading, as we begin reading in verses number six, verses number six, down through the first part of verse number eight, watch what it says. But one in a certain place. Now, this is David. He's quoting David in the Old Testament. One in a certain place testified saying, what is man? What is man that thou art mindful of him or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and with honor 
Thou didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. Now I want you to take your Bible. I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to Psalm 8. Psalm 8. Just do that real quickly. And, uh, or if you, they'll, they'll put it up there. Uh, if you don't want to turn, if you want to be rebellious, go ahead. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. Psalm eight, Psalm eight is where he's quoting from. So the writer of Hebrews has gone to the scriptures in the old Testament and he's quoting Psalm eight. Now watch what he says. I'm going to just read it again, but I'm going to add verse three. I'm going to add verse three. Watch what he says. Here's the Psalmist David. When I consider thy heavens, the works of thy fingers, The moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. What is man? Listen, question. What is man that thou art mindful of him? The son of man that thou visitest him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the seas. Now, if you're taking notes, write this down. First thing we see, the first thing we see is the destiny of man. The destiny of man. And A, write this. I want you to see the curiosity that we see. The curiosity that we see. In order for you to understand why Jesus had to become a man and why things played out the way they are, we have to go all the way back to the beginning. We have to go all the way back to Genesis. And that is what the psalmist is doing here. That is what the the writer of Hebrews, he's going back to the Psalms and the psalmist, David, is going back to the beginning. And this is, is, let me just put it in our turn. Man, I tell you what. When I look at everything you've made, God, when I look at the stars and the moon and the universe and, and this, this little bitty tiny speck we call earth and the little bitty tiny speck we call humans on the little bitty tiny speck on the earth in this vast universe, what in the world are we? What is man? I mean, really, what is the big deal? God, when you see, when we see your vast universe and we see the stars and the moon and we see how great it is, man, what in the, what makes man so special? What, what is it about man that, that you would even think about us? What is it about man that you would take the time to visit us and take the time to listen to our prayers and answer our prayer, take the time to move on our behalf? You see the curiosity? The psalmist is, it's hard for man to even fathom that an infinite God would take his time to stoop down to a finite man. Not only an infinite God, but a holy God to an unholy people. What is man? I just don't understand it. It's hard for me to understand what is man that you would treat him so good. You, you, you gave him dominion. Look what he says. Look what he says. We see his curiosity. We see the conclusion. 
the conclusion. We're talking about the destiny of man. We see the destiny of man between verses 6 through the first part of verse number 8. You know, Job said it too. He couldn't believe it. Job said in Job seven seventeen, What is man? That thou shouldest magnify him, and that thou shouldest set thine heart upon him. Psalms 144, it's, it, it's, it's mentioned again. Lord, what is man that thou takest knowledge of him or the son of man that thou makest account of him? Have you ever just sat down and wondered why in the world God even cares? I, I think there's so much preaching and teaching and that one, this, just this one thought right here, we could spend all night. What is man? What is man? Then he says this, that you would treat him. You would treat him so good. The conclusion, B, write this down, the conclusion. What is the conclusion? In Psalm 8, 5, and 6, it says, For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, hast crowned, say that with me, hast. Who wears crowns? Kings. Kings. Royalty. Has crowned him with glory and honor. Thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hand. What's he doing? The psalmist is replaying or, or reviewing Genesis 1, 26. All right, look what Genesis 1, 26 says. And God said... Let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them have dominion. Dominion means rule. It means reign over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So what's the point? What is the destiny of man? Man was destined to reign. God made man to rule and to reign. In other words, as simple as I can tell you, God made man a king. He was the king of the earth. He was to rule the earth. God made him out of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and gave him the responsibility to be king of the earth. And he gave him the power and the ability to have dominion over everything. That was God's plan. That, that was God's purpose. That's what, that's what Adam was put on this earth to do. Adam was put on this earth to be king. He was crowned. He was crowned. He didn't have to earn it. God gave it to him. Are y'all with me? Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. I'm, we're just on the first point, y'all. Can everybody see this? That was man's destiny. That was man's purpose. That was God's plan. That was the outcome God wanted. He was to be king. All right. But watch what it says at the end of verse eight. Watch what it says at the end of verse eight. He says in verse seven, thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. We're back in Hebrews two. Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. Thou crowned him with glory and honor. In other words, when Adam was in the garden, he was crowned with glory and honor. Thou didst set him over the works of thy hands, gave him dominion over everything. 
Thou hast put all things in subjection under him. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. What's that next word? But. But. Watch what he says. Now we see not yet all things put under him. This was God's plan. But. This was God's desire and destiny for humanity and mankind. So B, number two, number two, write this down. First of all, number one, we see the destiny of man. How many of y'all know the destiny of man was to be king? Number two, I want you to write down the downfall of man. The downfall of man. Guess what we find in Genesis? We find the destiny of man. We find that God planned for man to be king. God planned for man to have glory and honor. God planned and he crowned man, the king of the earth, to rule and to reign and to have dominion over everything. But we know the story. I don't have time to go into it. You know, chapter number three. Chapter number three, they rebelled. They did what they were not supposed to do. And as we see... As we see, several things happened. Several things happened. First of all, first of all, I want you to, I want you to look at this, write this down. First, there was a curse applied. Hey, Willie G, can you find me some tissues, please? There was a curse applied. Look at the curse. Unto the woman, unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of the, which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow thou shalt eat of it of all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth thee, and thou shalt eat herbs of the field. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. Preacher, what are you saying? Man was cursed. Not only was man cursed, but the earth was cursed. What was part of the curse? Well, for the women. He says, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. Uh, ladies, can you testify and say amen that childbirth is painful? Do I have a, do I have a amen ladies? The second part of that, you you, ladies, you have a two part, you have a two part curse, uh, greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in sorrow shalt thou bring forth children. And then it says thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee. The second part of that curse is he's going to have authority over you and you're going to want to tell him what to do. Do I have a witness, men? Those that are not cowards in the house of the Lord. That's what it means. It means that God is going to give the responsibility, the headship of the home, the responsibility to lead and the authority in the home, but she ain't going to like it. And she don't. Then he looks at Adam and said, you're going to sweat 
And, and matter of fact, guys, this is the first mention of sweat in the Bible, and it's connected to sin and the curse. I wish I had time to go into the garden where Jesus, he prayed till what? His sweat turned into what? Oh, boy. He said, you're going you're gonna to be cursed. You're going to have to work. In other words, before the earth was submitted to him. And the earth provided for him. And the earth supported him. But now he's going to have to fight the earth just to survive. You're going to have to dig and you're going to have to plow and you're going to have to plant and you're going to have to pray and you're going to have to hope. And now, now what's happening now? The earth is cursed. We have lost, we have lost what? Dominion. We've lost it. That brings us to B. First, the, say it with me, A, we see the, the curse applied. I want you to see this. This is where it gets big. The crown was abdicated. The crown was abdicated. We lost our crown. We lost our crown. Say, 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 who got the crown? Glad you asked. Look what it says. Look what it says. In John 12, 31, Jesus is in, he is, he is fixing to be crucified. Uh, Judas is betraying him. And this is what he says, John 12, 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Who's the prince of the world? Satan. John 14, 30. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you. For the, the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. Ephesians 6, 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against, against the, and against, in high places. Preacher, what are you saying to that? Who are, who are, who was that group? That's the demonic angels that fell. Preacher, what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to tell you. Is God's plan for man, his destiny and his desire for man is that they would be king over his creation to rule and to reign and have dominion over this earth. Man disobeyed, he fell, and because of his rebellion, he was cursed, the earth was cursed, and he lost his crown. Satan stole his crown. Now, the earth, and, and, and you can say this, listen, the earth is now being ruled under the sovereignty of God, but the earth is being ruled by the prince of this earth and all his demonic angelic host. Why, why do you think what's going on? How, how, do you, how do you think somebody can go and take a baby and decapitate him? How do you think they can take a grandmother and a mother and a little child and zip tie them together and pour fuel on them and set them on fire if they're not demonically possessed? This is not a territorial issue, guys. The God of this world. Listen, Satan is the prince of this world. Man abdicated his crown. 
But then write this down. C. C. What was A? We see the the curse applied. B, we see the, the crown abdicated. Then C, we see the conclusion activated. What's the conclusion? Genesis 3.19. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art, say it with me, and unto. You know how I know every man's a sinner? Because they die. They die. The wages of sin is death. They die. He said, you're going to go back to where you came from. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. If Adam would have never sinned, he'd still be alive today. And he would still be king. He would still be ruling and reigning. He would still be crowned with glory and honor. But because of his rebellion, because of his sin, because of his disobedience, he has been cursed. And because he was cursed, all of humanity in him, in his loins, was cursed with him. As by one man sin entered into this world, and death by sin, for that all have sinned. Are y'all with me? Death has passed upon all men. Why? For all have sinned. That's a problem. I know what you're thinking. Well, what has this got to do with Jesus becoming a man? I'm trying to tell you. That you got to set the foundation. You got to set the table before you can eat supper. Jesus had to become a man to solve a problem. You know what's really cool about this? And this ain't the message, but it's cool. The Bible says that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the earth. In other words, God already had a solution to the problem before the problem ever came. And the reason Jesus had to become a man, as we're going to see in just a minute, he was solving the problem of humanity. But I need you to know this before we go any further. This didn't slip up on the Lord and he had to sit and figure out what he was going to do. Are y'all with me? So number one. Number one, let's go back to the top. Number one, what do we see? The what of man? The destiny of man. What was the destiny of man? That he would reign. That he would be a king. That he was crowned with glory and honor. And so, number two, we see the the downfall. Where do we see that? It says, hey, he had, everything is under subjection to him. But, what do we see right now? Everything's not in the subjection to him. He is not crowned with glory and honor. Matter of fact, humanity's in a bad way. Are y'all with me? It says, <laughs> I love this. It says everything has been put under his feet. Supposed to be. But what do we see? Everything is not put under his feet. Isn't that what it says? Look what, look what it says. I'm, 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 I'm doing a word. Watch this now. It says, but now we see not yet all things put under him. What do we see when we look out there? We see sin. What do we see when we look out there? We see wickedness. What do we see when we look out there? We see that the God of this world has blinded the minds of them lest they believe the gospel. What do we, what do we see? 
When we look out there, we see spiritual wickedness in high places. We see principalities and powers. We see demonic influence all over this earth. That's what we see. But guess what? Verse number, verse number nine. But we also see. Y'all are asleep. I'm going to start serving Red Bull in the coffee area. Y'all need to get some before y'all come in here. What's verse nine say? But we see. Jesus. How many of y'all are glad when everything's falling apart, there's Jesus. When it seems like all hope is gone and everything is helpless, we see, we see Jesus. Look what it says. That brings us to number three. Write this down. What, What was number one? The destiny of man. Number two, the downfall of man. Now number three, here's really the message for the whole night. The deliverer of man. The deliverer of man. Man is in trouble. Man has lost his crown. Man is a mess. Man doesn't have the the dominion anymore. Matter of fact, he's just scrapping by. He's just scraping by, struggling to survive. And here shows up Jesus. In the midst of all the turmoil, in the midst of all the desperation, in the midst of all the wickedness and sin, Jesus shows up. It says, but we see Jesus, verse 9, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. First of all, A, write this down. Now, Now, watch this. So far, the writer's focus has been all on humanity, right? On what he should have been, but what he is. His destiny and his downfall. This is what God wanted, but this is where man is. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. Now all the focus, the rest of the chapter is going to be on the deliverer. It's going to be on Jesus. It's going to be on why he became a man. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. So write this down. First of all, we're talking about the deliverer of man. A, write this down. We see his task. T-A-S-K, his task. In other words, what he came for. Four things I want you to write down. First of all, his incarnation. It says he was made a little lower than the angels. That means he was made a human. The, the, The second person of the Trinity, God the Son, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Later on in that chapter, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Preacher, what are you saying? Jesus came to be a man. He came to take on humanity. It was his incarnation. He was not half man and half God. He was all man and all God. But here's the key. He set aside his privilege of being the second person of the Trinity. He never ceased being the second person of the Trinity. But the independent, now now stay with me now. Don't, don't, Don't get confused here. The independent use of his power He surrendered to live completely as a 
man. What does that mean? That means when he didn't eat, he got. When he walked 10 miles, he got. When he didn't have nothing to drink, he got. When people done him wrong, he got hurt. Some of y'all said mad. We're going to have to work on your, your, your Christian response to these things. Got a lot of work to do here in Alabama. Amen. But, but are y'all getting where I'm coming from? So that's the incarnation. Now watch. Here's the second thing I want you to write down. We see the incarnation. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Then thou crownest him with, no, back up, back up. I'm, gonna, I'm, a, I'm a man. Back down to Jesus. Verse nine, verse nine. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. That's what? What did we say that was? He is his incarnation. Then for the, for the, I'm not going to say it. Y'all supposed to be following along. Verse nine. Here we go. He was made a little lower than the angels for the, that was the crucifixion. Write that down. That was the crucifixion. You mean to tell me they knew that was going to happen? They absolutely knew that was going to happen. Some people have the the mistaken idea that that Jesus was captured. Jesus was the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Jesus said himself, Nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down. It was all part of the plan. Preacher, what was his task? What is a task? It was your job. It's your job. It's what you came to do. Say, how do you know he had a task? Well, in the very beginning when he was 12 years old. Y'all remember when Mary lost him? How would you like to be the couple that loses the son of God? (laughs) You'll never get to babysit again. (laughs) Amen. They come to him. Y'all remember they get to the temple and they're, they're just losing their mind. So they're upset with Jesus. They're, what are you doing to us? He said, wish you not that I must be about my father's. And the word wish ye not. And, and, and where he says, I must be about, it means I have to get an early start. What on his task. They tried to stop him several times and, and, and cause him to lose focus. And he said, I must work the works because uh, while it is day for the night cometh when no man can. What is he saying? I've got a job. I've got a task. What was the task? To be man. His incarnation. His task was to be crucified. It was part of God's plan. It was all part of the plan. He was crucified before the foundation of the earth. It was already planned before he ever breathed his first breath as a little baby boy. That little baby boy came to die. Jesus himself said, for this cause came out of this world. For this reason was I born. Are y'all with me? Say amen. But I'm so glad. I'm so glad for this next, next sentence. He was made a little lower than the angels. That's the incarnation. For the suffering of death, that's the crucifixion. Crowned with glory and honor, that's the resurrection and ascension. Preacher, what are you saying? Well, in that same chapter in Philippians, where it says he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God hath highly exalted him. 
and given him a name which is above every name. Somebody say amen. amen. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Yes, but then here's my favorite part of the verse. My favorite part of the verse. Give me one, give me one. His incarnation, two, his crucifixion, three, his. Write this down, number four, his motivation. Preacher, what was his motivation? It says that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Preacher, why'd he die for me? Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. Are y'all with me? It wasn't because you were good. It wasn't because you were deserving. It wasn't because you earned it. It was the grace of God. He loved you when you were unlovable. He loved you when you didn't love him. You you were on his mind when he wasn't on yours. The grace of God. He tasted death. Now, what is that? Now, watch this now. Everybody look at me for a minute. Everybody look at me for a minute so you don't miss this. The Bible says he tasted death for every man. What does that mean? It means he became the substitute. Don't miss that. He became the substitute. What's the title of the lesson tonight? Why did he become a man? Watch this. Did an angel sin in the garden? Who sinned in the garden? Man. Who has to pay the penalty? What's the penalty? Before the penalty could be paid, a man had to pay it. So God the Father sent His only begotten Son to come to this earth and to become a man for the sole purpose of taking your place. In other words, in other words, He didn't just die for me, He died instead of me. Instead of me. Why? The grace of God. Mercy and grace. It's been said this way. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Mercy is not going to hell. Grace is getting to go to heaven. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Oh, my stars. I see the clock. We got to hurry. Look here. First of all, this this part right here is going to blow y'all's mind. I'm telling you, it's just going to blow your mind. But stay with me before you think I'm a heretic. Let me finish saying what I need to say. First of all, we're talking about Jesus, right? Verse 9, we see A, his task. Everybody say that. His task. Then verse 10 I want you to write down, we see his training. His training. And I know what you're thinking. Training? He's the son of God. What kind of training does he need? 
Glad you asked. Verse 10 tells us. For it became him. It became him. For whom are all things. Now, now keep in mind this him. This him is talking about God the Father. Don't get that confused. Okay. In other words, God... It became him or it was fitting. That's what that word means. It was fitting. It was proper. It was the right thing for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things and bringing many sons unto glory. Now watch to make the captain. The word captain there is the word where we would use pioneer. Now, what is a pioneer? A pioneer is one that goes first and prepares the way. How many of y'all seen them old wagon, them old wagon show? Oh, pioneer. They'll go out there to, in an un, unscouted trail in a, in a, where there is no trail. And they will blaze a trail for someone else to follow the. And what was God the Father doing? God the Father was preparing his son to be a pioneer to go first to prepare the way so others can follow. Now, what way was he preparing? Watch this now. This is so good. I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm running out of time. He was preparing the way through the valley of the shadow of death. He came to die, but he had to become a man because a man's sin, a man had to pay the penalty. The wages of sin is... A man had to pay that penalty. The penalty was death. In the day that ye eat of this fruit, ye shall surely die. Are y'all with me? So God had to send a pioneer. God, it was proper. It was right. It was perfect. You see, God couldn't just sweep it under the rug. In order for God to be holy and just and right, a penalty had to be paid. But God loved you so much, he didn't want you to have to pay it, so he sent his son to pay it for you. And with the penalty paid, he is still righteous and holy and just. And not only is he just, but now you're justified. Man, that's a whole other sermon. It's good. Now watch, 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 watch. What do you mean it's training? You see, God is preparing his son to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering for both he that's sanctified and they who are sanctified are all of one for which cause he shall not be ashamed to call them brethren. Now watch this, watch this. Hebrews 5 chapter 8, we'll get there later on in a few months. But... Look, we've been four weeks on chapter one, okay? I'm trying to be realistic here, all right? Look, Hebrews 5, 8. Though he were a son. Talking about Jesus. Y'all with me? Stay with me. He was God's son. But watch what it says. Yet, what's that next word? Learn. You mean Jesus had to learn something? I thought he knew everything. I'm, I'll keep reading. Yet learned he obedience by the things which he. 
and being made. Now, perfect don't mean without flaw here. It means complete. In other words, when you're making the cake and you get everything just right and it's finished, you say it's now In order for that to take place, watch. He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Now watch Hebrews 4.15. Here is some of his training. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with a feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. Preacher, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say when he got hungry, that was training. When he got thirsty, that was training. When he got frustrated, that was training. When he got betrayed, that was training. When he got done wrong, that was training. When he got treated in an ill way, that was training. When he was tempted by the devil, that was training. That was training. And you're going to see why in just a minute. He was learning. He was learning. Watch. Angels can't do that. Angels are spirits. Are y'all with me? Now watch. Now listen, listen, I'm almost finished. Being pure spirits who have never suffered, the angels cannot identify with us in our weaknesses. And needs, but Jesus can. While he was here on earth, Jesus was made like unto his brethren, in that he experienced the sinless infirmities of human nature. He knew what it was to be a helpless baby, a growing child, a maturing adolescent. He knew the experiences of weariness, hunger, and thirst. He knew what it was to be despised and rejected, to be lied about and falsely accused. He experienced physical suffering and death. All of this was part of his. For what? For his heavenly ministry as high priest. Preacher, what are you saying? You have a God in heaven. You have an advocate. You have, hallelujah. You have a high priest. Somebody who's praying for you. That knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly how you feel. He knows the pain that you suffer. He knows the frustration that you have. You say, oh, but preacher, I've been betrayed. You know what he wants? He says, sit here while I tell you about the man that I washed his feet and he turned around and sold me for 30 pieces of silver. Oh, but preacher, I've been treated bad. Let me tell you about the day that they nailed me to a cross. They put a whip on my back. Oh, but preacher, I've got to forgive somebody, but it's hard. Let me tell you about the day that as I was being nailed to a cross, I I had to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Preacher, what are you saying? Everything he suffered, everything he went through, everything he experienced, he had to become a man because if he wasn't a man, he wouldn't know how I feel and he couldn't intercede on my behalf and he couldn't be a faithful high priest for me up in heaven. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. That's good stuff. Say amen. Amen. 
All right, let's hurry. Let's hurry. We got seven minutes and 49 seconds. Y'all ready? What's A? Give me A. We see his, his task. B, we see his training. Now I want you to see his testimony. His testimony. Jesus' testimony. This is what Jesus has to say about you. This is what Jesus has to say about you. For both he that sanctifies, that's Jesus, and they who are sanctified, that's you, are, watch now, and you got to watch the wording. It doesn't, it doesn't say we're all one. It says we are all of one. Now, what is he saying by that? He's saying, A, or number one, write this down under testimony. We have the same father. We have the same father. Brother Billy, he never said, he never called him brethren till after the cross. He called them followers. He called them disciples. But after the cross, after the resurrect, why? Because the payment was made. And after the resurrection, he told Mary and the other Mary, go tell my brethren. Are y'all with me? What is the testimony of Jesus? He testifies that we have the same father. You say, how do you know? Because they said, teach us to pray. He said, okay. When you pray, say our, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Somebody say amen. He said, we have the same father. And then he said this, I'm not ashamed to call them my brethren. What does that mean? We not only have the same father, we have the same family. We have the same family. Do you realize that the God of all glory, the prince of heaven, the darling son of God is not ashamed of you? As low down as we are, as sinful as we are, as pitiful as we are, as unfaithful as we are sometimes, as ashamed of him as we are sometimes, he ain't ashamed of us. They're my brethren. They're with me. You know, let me tell you something. Do you know in John 14, y'all know John 14? I quote it all the time. You ought to have memorized by now. (laughs) Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, watch here, here it is right here. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive receive now in the English that means to get to have to take but if you'll study that word out in the Greek it means to associate oneself with now I know what you're thinking big deal but let me explain when we go to glory and the demons try to stop it He's going to say, they are with me. He's not ashamed to associate himself with us. 
Do you know there's some snotty, snooty people on this earth right now that won't associate with me or you for that matter? So don't get no high hopes on it either. Your 401k is not enough. Your status in life is not enough. Your pedigree is not enough. But I'm here to tell you, there's a king in heaven who is not ashamed to call you his brethren. He's not ashamed to call you part of his family. He's not ashamed to receive you unto his self to say, hey, there with me. I tell you what, that Sunday morning crowd don't know what they're missing on Wednesday night. Hallelujah. His testimony, he testifies there with me. We have the same father. I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed. Watch this now. Verse 12 saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church. Will I sing praise to thee? Hallelujah. This is God, the father declaring the name of, or excuse me, God, the son declaring the name of God, the father to you and me. And together we. Sing praise unto him. That's Psalm twenty-two, twenty-two. And again, I will put my trust in him. Wait a minute. What, what, what do you mean God the Son is putting his trust in God the Father? You remember what we said? In the incarnation, he set aside his privileges and his independent use of his power. And he lived complete. Watch this now. You got to get this. You got to get this. This will help you. He lived completely by faith. Or the word used here. Trust. That's what faith is. Why do you think in, 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 in the wilderness he didn't just flick the devil off the planet? Because you couldn't. What did, he, what did he defeat the devil with? The word. You remember what he said? I do not do anything outside of what my father tells me to do. He even said this, I can do nothing. What he's meaning is I am living everything as a human and I'm depending on the power because the Bible says every miracle he ever did, he did in the power of the Holy Spirit. Preacher, what are you saying? He lived by faith in his father. Watch now. Watch now. Watch now. Listen, it's so good. Watch this. I will put my, this is God the son speaking to God the father. I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. Jesus, while he was on this earth, he lived by faith and trust in his father. And guess what he wants you to do? The same thing. Amen. That's what he's saying in that verse. Yep. Not only did I do it, I want the children to do it too. Amen. Church, say amen. amen. Let's hurry, 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 hurry. What's the next verse? Verse 13, verse 4. We're in 14. Here we go. <clears throat> For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood. Why did he become a man? Because that's what you are. Why did he become and take on flesh and blood? Because that's what you are. He also himself likewise took part of the same. Why? That through, come on everybody, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, 
that is the devil, and deliver, destroy and deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Write this down quickly. His triumph, verse 14 and 15, we see his triumph. The devil thought the cross was the victory. He had no idea it was his defeat. So how do you know that? Because the Bible says that the prince of this world would have known what they were doing. They wouldn't have never done it. Remember Brother Craig preached on that? Surprise, surprise, surprise. They thought they won until he got up the third day. Are y'all with me? His triumph. Two things, two things. First, he disarmed, he disarmed Satan. The word destroy does not mean annihilate. You got to get that, okay? Very important. The word destroy does not mean annihilate because if it meant annihilate, we wouldn't have no problems right now. How many of y'all know the devil still all over the place? But what does it mean? It means to render inoperative. In other words, in other words, there was a day and the best way I can explain, I've used this illustration before. I tied a man's hands and there was a time, there was a time that Satan led, he forced, he forced this man around. In other words, we were in bondage to him. We sinned, we sinned. now here's it, we sinned and we couldn't help it because we were slaves to sin. We were slaves to the devil. He had power over us. When Jesus died on the cross, he destroyed that power. Can he still influence? Yes. Can he make me? No. So when you say the devil made me do it, liar, liar, pants on fire. You had a choice. He could influence you, but he can no longer make you. As a child of God. So he disarmed Satan. But then he delivered the slaves. Who were the slaves? The lost. Who their whole life was in bondage to the fear of death. You look at any lost person, their greatest fear is dying. People will spend every dime they have just to breathe another day of breath. Job calls death the king of terror. And you know what? You know what Jesus did when he died on the cross? He took that from Satan. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can say now, oh grave, where is thy victory? Oh, death, where is thy sting? Say amen. amen. Now watch this now. Let's finish up good. Let's finish up good. Since we're already late, let's just go ahead and finish up. A, we see his. Come on, people. We see his task. B, we see his. C, we see his. D, we see his. Then E, I want you to see his truth. Here's the truth. Preacher, why was he being trained here on this earth as a human? Verse 17. Or verse 16. For verily he took on him, not the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore. Why? That's what wherefore is there. 
In all things, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a and high priest in the things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. In other words, watch this now. (laughs) When we mess up, he runs to the Father to make intercession. And to reconcile and to say they're mine. The Bible says if we sin, we have an advocate with the father. When the accuser of the brethren comes to you and or goes to God and accuses you and says, look what he did. He did it again. He did it again and accuses you. He runs to the father as a faithful high priest and intercedes and he's an advocate on your behalf. But, but. When you're hurting, when you're broken, when you're discouraged, when you feel like you can't go another step, the Bible says because of his training, watch what it says, (laughs) because of his training, for in that he himself hath suffered, being tempted, he is Because he suffered, now he is able to succor them that are tempted. What does succor mean? It means to run to the cry of a child. It means to bring help when it is needed. Angels are able to serve us, but they are not able to succor us in our times of temptation. Only Jesus Christ can do that. And he can do it because he became a man and suffered and died. Let me leave you with this. My grandchildren are perfect. No flaw in them. Immaculate conception. Just ask me. I've got two in North Carolina right now. One of them about this high and the other's about this high. And that little baby was laying on the ground, little, little girl, little Emery. Tried to get him, name him Eugenia, but she wouldn't do it. <laughs> little Emery was laying on, the, on, on, on her little mat thing and she started whimpering and she started crying. And here come running little Carter. And he got right in her face. And he said, it's okay. I'm here. I'm here. Say, preacher, what are you trying to get at? When you're frustrated. And you're crying. And you're broken. And you're hurting. Because he became a man and suffered and went through what you go through. He can run to your face and he can say, it's okay. I'm here. I'm here. And all God's people say it.